Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. My name is Angie Reno, and I'm a mom in recovery. When my son developed a substance use disorder, I chose to get him help and walk with him on his journey. I quickly realized the best thing I could do was to start my own path of recovery and begin to heal myself. On my journey, I have come across information, resources, and individuals who help so many of us walk towards well-being. I want to share all of that with you. I hope you'll stay. I hope you'll listen. Hello, recovery community. On this episode, I have Gavin, Outreach Coordinator for Resilience Recovery Resources. Fantastic facility. They continue to change lives every single day. The vulnerability offered, the insight that's shared is priceless to me, and I hope it helps somebody out there who's listening. Bear with me on the audio. We had Tropical Storm Nicole come in. The awesome part is the message is still there, clear to be heard. And as a feature, there's an artist that will close out this episode, Jake Reno. I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoy talking to Gavin. Here you go. Hello, Gavin. Hello, how are you? I'm great. It's good to see your face. It's good to have you on here. Greatly appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is awesome. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I'm going to just, let's just start. Tell people who you are. Yeah, I'm Gavin. Um, I met Angie uh, a long time ago uh, when it came to her, her son. Um, amazing young man who uh, really was taking things serious about um, his sobriety. And honestly, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to guide him uh, in somewhat of that process able to kind of answer some questions that he had and, and watch him grow throughout the journey. Um, it's really where me and Angie met. And, and ever since that, she's always been willing to, to help me out when I need it uh, with certain things. And, you know, when she asked me to be here, uh, absolutely without a question. Without a question. Yeah. And, you know, I have to tell you that um, I was thinking about this interview, thinking about that moment when he was getting ready to leave. Oh, and then, and I was like, okay, um, where's this going to go to? And, and it was so good to have you there. It was so good to have you as a, like a base, like kind of figuring out where his next steps were, but also, you know, guiding me to letting him make decisions and letting him see his choices. Because I think, well, I know. I had come from, uh, you know, what a lot of people think that they're doing, locking down the obstacles for their kids. Sometimes they're not helping them develop critical thinking and the ability to to make their own decisions. You know, sometimes they make mistakes, but thank you for being there so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No problem. It was, it was actually really neat to see that dynamic happen to where he was getting ready to take this uh, step, you know, into his like adult life. Right. And you yeah. had to you had to kind of like let go and like let somebody that you trust help him in this process um, and kind of show him. And and that's what this is all about, right? It's like uh, somebody else helping another person, right? I went through it and I know how hard this process was for my parents. Um, yeah. And let's pull the thread on, on why I trust, why I trusted and why I trust you guys. Now, I knew you had gone through this too. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's, uh, you know, some self-disclosure and feeling comfortable, like when telling you some of my story, I think that gives you that comfortability level of like, he's been through this, you know, he might know, or they might know a little bit what's going on here better than I do. So I need to kind of like take a step back and let somebody with experience in this kind of take the reins on it. And I think that you have done an absolutely amazing job in that process. And I mean, you know, he's blossomed since, right? And, yeah. and it's gone well. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, and it, it honestly just keeps getting better to see him, you know, grow and, and you grow as well and all of us. So uh, it was really neat to, to be a part of that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, you know, it's funny because like if we, I think a lot of us, when it comes to personal things, we think, okay, we can fix it. But yet there's people out there with experience, with degrees or with just experience. They're going to do a lot better than I can. And if we all work together, it's even better. So um, I I would love for you to describe. Can you describe a day, a day in your life? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, no day is the same. Um, and But I think, honestly, that's probably the most beautiful part about it is that every day you're facing new challenges, not only with your own life, but with other people's around you. Um, and being able to, and, and I think that's the awesome thing is like going through my process, right? Is like, I'm able to, to get on so many people's levels and relate to them in so many different ways that I can kind of help navigate all these situations that kind of come up on a daily basis. Yeah, um, so what do you do? So describe your role. Sure. So I am the outreach coordinator. So it's really, I'm the first contact with um, parents um, and new individuals looking to come into a program. Um, And I also network with other programs. Um, So if if I think somebody's a right fit for a certain program uh, based on their needs, that's kind of where I come into play. And then really help the families navigate this whole, you know, the the process of, of finding a program. Because I mean, if once I get on the phone with them, they're so overwhelmed, right? They're getting all this, oh, yeah. all these different places, and they're like, I, you know, I don't know what to do from here. And that's where I kind of step in, and I can kind of slow down the process for them and kind of walk them through it and, and handle a majority of it for them. Yeah, it's so huge too because you're navigating not only your heart, your emotions, and uh, reactions to something that's so incredibly challenging, but you're also thinking about safety, health, and then you add in logistics, uh, infrastructure, education. I mean, it, these are not simple tasks, right? And um, the funny part is that parents are only seeing, you know, the hope to get better. And meanwhile, there's almost like a whole building block underneath that has to happen to give the kid the space to start learning and maybe uh, stepping back from the chaos and then thinking about what's going on in their mind, right? Because so many things are being thrown at them, social pressures, parents, you know, what used to be and what has to be in the future. So I know that you guys are, are still dealing with that every single day in your structure too, right? Yeah. I mean, Every day, it, it's you know different families come with different challenges. Um, yeah. every, everybody's path is, is so unique and so different. I think it's that's that's why it's like 
you know, people like to compare situations sometimes. And I'm like, it's, you know, that's, that's impossible. Everybody's path and, and th- dynamic is so different. Um, we kind of just have to put different things in place. And I think that's where like our relationship levels, uh, you know, the, the rapport that we build is so important because we can really get like what's going on behind the scenes, like uh, under the surface level stuff, right? Like what's going on. Um, and then we're able to like add and implement certain things to, you know, what they need. It's going to help them be successful. Now, how do you build rapport? I mean, honestly, you know, and I'll speak for me, uh, really, it's being able to relate. And and it's not always about maybe my experience, but like I'll find a, a mutual thing that we both like, even if it's something like like sneakers, right? I'll use that as an in um, and I'll just bring it up and then we'll start talking. And then they kind of let down that wall a little bit. Uh, and then I'll kind of start to sneak in some more serious topics. Um, and then we kind of just build from there. But just that little thing that you can relate on uh, just helps build that. And then you build it like piece by piece. It does. And and what's so refreshing is I know by the time the kids reach your facility, you know, they're exhausted. They've had so many things thrown at them. And a lot of times I hear that they're just on this cycle that they can't even get out of. And just to hear you say, hey, I'll talk about sneakers. It kind of calms things down almost automatically. We've got to remember that the adolescent brain is really still forming, even up to probably 19 sometimes or 20, right? Yeah. And that's why I think it, it is still forming. And that's, you know, they always say about how, you know, the age that you start using is the age at which your brain s- stops developing. Yeah. Um, that's where you're at maturity wise, right? And I, I think for me is like, I really try and like, and I tell people this all the time and they think I'm joking, but like, I try and stay young, right? So like I sit at home and even though people give me, you know, a bunch of stuff about this, like I'll sit at home and I'll play Call of Duty online. And like, it, it's a great thing because I'll chat up with a bunch of younger guys and like, see what's in, what's not, um, you know, what's going on. And like, I'll, I'll use that. And honestly, like I'll, I'll research into it. Be like, okay, this is what's, you know, what they're into now. And it, and it really helps, you know, if I can, and a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of our guys play Call of Duty. So yeah. I, I have that. That's thing, something that I use. That's perfect because the parents are coming from like a totally different perspective and they're, they can't connect on that level. And that gives that emotional safety, you yeah. know, and it gives them probably a lot of space. And no, it doesn't have to be serious all the time. You know? Yeah. You guys taught me that too. Uh, to laugh a little bit more, right? And there's a big thing, and I know you know about this in recovery, is that recovery brings back your sense of humor, right? You, and some of this, the books cover this. You know, they'll talk about how um, I finally learned to laugh again. And that's been a big uh, blessing, I know, for me personally. So, all right. So you've got a day, you've got your clients are there, and you're trying to get them to see what they can achieve. How do you reach, I want to say, the habit of being healthy? Uh, I, I, I think my biggest thing is like, you're never going to be perfect. Mm. Um, nobody is. So if you make a mistake, like that's okay. Like you're going to make mistakes in life, but what makes you who you are is what you do about making that mistake. Are we gonna Are we going to try and fix it? Are we going to seek a solution to that mistake? Or are we going to continue to like live in it? Right. And a lot of these guys beat themselves up over uh, a mistake. So it's like, hey, man, like you made the mistake. Doesn't matter, you know, how you made it, when you made it. 
So like, let's, let's figure out how we don't make it again. I'm like, that's okay. Like you're gonna, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna slip up. Like you're not going to be perfect. And that's just life. We need more of that in the world. <laughs> oh, oh, I know it. I mean, I listen, I, I think everybody falls victim to that. Um, you know, we make a mistake, like we get a little down. Um, but that's why we have other people to, to pick us up. That's definitely, definitely needed much more, especially with these kids that get so much pressure on school and athletics and then stuff like this happens and they can't get out of this cycle of, of not being perfect. Okay. So I want to talk to you about how do you get that parent to trust and let go? And after they let go a little bit, do, do the kids see it and how does that help them become who they are, like their own selves? It's almost like we need, let's say if we come across a certain obstacle, right? And we need this family to set a boundary and we say, hey, this is what you need to do or else this is going to happen. We almost need that situation to kind of play out and happen how Mm. it was. And then they're like, oh, okay. Obviously, I don't know what's best here and they do. So maybe I need to to let let go a little bit and let them do do their thing. And then when the client usually realizes that or the individual usually realizes that they're like, okay, you know, they're not playing around here anymore. I need to take this stuff serious. Um, and that's when you start to see a lot of growth is when that firm boundary is held. Them going through the motions isn't going to work anymore. Yeah. They're not swooping in and fixing the problem. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah it, it, and honestly, it's probably one of my, my favorite pieces is to see the family finally draw that line and hold that boundary. Like, Hey, I'm not here to save you anymore. Like this is, you need to put in some work too. Yeah, that's a good point. So I want you to talk more about that. Cause that's, that's the message that I want to communicate to, you know, getting them there and what are the tools that the families can use to get there? Yeah. I mean, and I'll use a little piece of my story. Um, my parents were honestly, they were, it took them a while, but when they got to that point, they were very good at holding this boundary to where they weren't going to let me manipulate anymore or try and uh, see what I could take from them anymore. And they were like, and, and, and what they had to do and what they needed from each other was teamwork on their end and communication and accepting that this was going to be hard, but this was what was necessary. And it was at that point that I realized, okay, the tide is starting to change here a little bit and I need to either straighten up or like, I'll probably never be a member of my family again because they're, they're done. They're done with this. And that was, that was the point where I had gotten sober and had remained sober. And now like I get to, to talk and share with them about that, that dynamic that they had and that I thank them for that. Cause that was honestly the best thing they could have ever done for me. It, it took a lot of, a lot of faith on their part a lot of teamwork, uh, communication, them just relying on, you know, on one another because every day was hard for them. They just didn't know what was going to happen, but they just, and they stayed consistent with it. They didn't, um, they didn't bend or break when I tried to, they stayed consistent and they relied on one another. Yeah. That's awesome. So I want to dig into, I heard something there. You talked about, uh, you couldn't manipulate them and they're doing this and they're team working together. And and the irony is that that teamwork, it's representative in my mind of how much they did love you, right? So they're not giving you or they're not giving into your manipulation. And yet their love is becoming stronger. 
it's hard to explain that when families are in the middle of chaos. Let's try to break that down for anybody who's listening. At what point do you think your um, family who started working together, what shifted for them? Talking to somebody or were they working with a professional um, team? Yeah, I mean, they they were both um, into seeing, they were both seeing therapists at the time, um, you know, together. Um, and they were also seeking out a lot of other counsel to the church and, and stuff like that. And really, it was, oh, and it was just such a, like a significant event. Like, I think it was another, I had ran from another treatment center and relapsed. And, and, I'll, and I'll just, and I'm going to apologize to my mom because you know, I'm her baby. So my mom was always my biggest enabler. Um, and I knew that and I, I used that. And so she got to a point where she was like, I don't want anything that you ask me for. You take it to your dad because she knew that my dad was going to say no to me. And I knew that as well. So whenever she had said that, I was like, Oh, okay, well, I got to figure something else out here. When those two just relied on each other and stood this ground and my mom really was just like, no, I'm not having it anymore. And what I'm doing for you is like going to save your life. You just don't know it yet. That's excellent. If I can ever talk to mom, Gavin, let me know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she would love, she would love this. Would she? Yeah. yeah. It, it's a, it's a really um, interesting progression towards understanding that saying no is a greater love. Yeah, so. it, it was it was a beautiful thing because I, I could always say the right stuff. You know, I always knew what I had to, to say to uh, to sound good, right? But they knew obviously through my actions that they, they weren't matching up. Um, and my mom, yeah, the day she stood around, I'll still never forget it. Um, huge moment in my life. Um, and they just continued to build off of that. And they, they do to, to this day, you know? They still do it. It's it's great, um, and I know that they're huge. Uh, what's awesome about it is like they're able to help in a different way than than I am now, um, and I know that they do that in any moment that they can. What do you mean by that? Like a different way for other people, or for you, or uh, for other people, right? I I can help the one that's struggling. I can't, you know, until I'm in the situation, I'll never get the full perspective of what parents go through mm. but they have that so every chance that i get like i'll lend out their number i'll have them help somebody else because they get that what it's like they're they've been there they lived it and they can help a lot more effectively when it comes to that than i can i can help the other individual and, and you know so it's it's really cool that they they're able to to do that now and uh, be there for people absolutely i'm glad they are and i'm glad they're doing it so I feel the same, you know, I, and I can't always help with everything. Sometimes I only just help with connections to other people. Okay. So there's something in that moment for me personally, where there's a, all of a sudden there, there's a deeper connection. It's to me, it's almost like a fabrics, pieces of fabrics that's in front of somebody's face start being pulled away. Right. And so you're developing this road towards clarity. I want to talk to you about they're currently quote unquote sober, but they're still acting out on previous uh, methodologies that got them what they wanted. Manipulation still. Yeah, they're uh, 
or they call them a dry trunk, essentially. Yeah, they have that too. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, somebody that's not, you know, they're sober. You take the drugs and alcohol away, right? But internally, they're still miserable. Um, and that, you know, that means like they haven't done any work to, to, cause obviously there's something internal happening inside of you, um, mm. that's driving you to do this every single day. Um, and they, they refuse to do that, that internal work. Um, so they just remain miserable. Um, and you know, you see it, honestly, you see it a lot. And it, even like if people, let's say people do the work for a little bit and they aren't miserable, right. And they take a break from that work that got them to, to this happy place. Like they again, fall out of that and they don't remain consistent with that work. So they can easily fall back into that, you know, miserable state. So this is like a ongoing thing that you kind of have to do on a daily basis. And it's not like a lot of, you know, work that you have to do. It's very simple stuff. I was going to ask you, tell me about the work, like in your mind, what's your work? And it's really, it's like waking up in the morning. And the first thing I do is just kind of meditate on my day um, and kind of how I want the day to go and kind of try and invite that in. Um, and then really it's, I go through my day and it's just like, I take moments of my day to kind of just recenter, um, listen to a motivational video. Um, and I'll always, if I'm, if I'm going through a situation that day, it's stressful. I always call somebody and run it by them. Like, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, and usually like for me, it, it's just kind of routine. It's like, I try and have it like in a selfish way. And like, I point out what the other person in the situation has done. And they're able to bring me back and be like, hey, don't focus on them. Like, what did you do in a situation? Where, what was your part? And just so trying to remain where like I can always see like my part, what I have to improve. Now, how do you get that young adolescent to adopt a work schedule? <laughs> it's, it's super tough. Um, but honestly, it's just high accountability, you know, extra mm. accountability, uh, extra support, like continuously checking in with what, what they've been doing, like what their daily schedule looks like and trying to tweak that, that schedule with them or see why they're missing certain things or why they're leaving certain things out. And it's just uh, extra accountability for them. And not all of them are going to buy in right away. What's really cool is sometimes they see it happen in other young guys that they're close to. And then that's where their buy-in comes from. Mm, um, okay. And then, and then they're like, okay, maybe I should give this a try. Cause like their life's improving and Mine is it. And the fellowship that is developed in the time that they're with you, one of the biggest challenges is when they go back home. You know, where's the fellowship back home? Uh, that's that's the thing. We really they really have to, to seek that out. I mean, it, obviously, it's very easy to find. It, it takes a little bit of research and it's all I mean, this is, you know, this is nationwide. This this accountability comes nationwide. You just have to take the steps to find find it and then obviously build on it from there every area every city every, you know every town has this stuff and if, if they don't for some reason it's online you know zoom um whatever whatever you need it's it's all there and tell me your resource anything people could go to really any any 12-step fellowship that's that's pretty much everywhere self-help groups you know therapists are everywhere um there's a lot of therapy services that are now offered o online and that's you know that's interventions that's case management that's recovery coaching all that stuff can be done online now you know this stuff is absolutely everywhere and it's easily accessible you know despite any financial resources 
I'm going to talk to you after we finish this recording. And I want to put some links in the show notes for some people. That's one of the things too, is that there are a lot of free resources available, at least as a first step. And 12-step programs are free. There's so many people willing to just help other people out there listen, talk, and share. So uh, that's a great point. You want to talk about that treatment center a little bit before we close out? Yeah. Resilience is a place that we really focus on adolescent and the young adult age range just due to you know, the amount of resources for that age range. Um, we really want to get them, you know, almost like a kind of like a preventative maintenance stage, right? We want to get this while they're young so they have a full life to live. So we really, you know, hone in on, on that specific age range and try and get these guys with some life skills and, and a routine at a young age. I, I, my thing is like, that was a huge age for me and decisions that I made and the path that my life took So being able to send somebody in a positive direction at that age is super important, I think, to all of us that work here at Resilience. Very important. It's life-changing. So they can reach out to you. How? Honestly, I mean, you have my number. Um, my, my email as well, which you, which you have, um, honestly, any of those is fine. I'm I'm pretty much available. Yeah. 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 I'm always here to, to help whoever. I know you are. I know you are. And, you know, whoever's listening and who's ever just really struggling right now as a parent, please, please reach out to Resilience because it's uh, it, it can be life changing. I know it is. It was for me and it still is, you know, for both of us. So. All right, Gavin, is there anything else you want to leave people with? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, if anybody's struggling, like, please don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, it's or or just, you know, trying to help somebody every single day. I mean, it takes, you know, if you think about it, like taking two minutes out of your day can change somebody for a lifetime that I mean, it's like that's that's amazing. Like knowing that two minutes can change somebody for a lifetime. So if you see anybody struggling, you know, try and help them out or at least, you know, provide something. Just just let them know that they're loved no matter what they're going through. Oh, I like that. I'll close with that. And let me get mom Gavin on here. I want to yes. hear We'll set it up. Let's do it. it. All right. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Check out siblinghoodofrecovery.com for more information, or you can follow me on Instagram at siblinghoodofrecovery. If you'd like me to cover a specific subject, you can contact me at either social media outlet. Wishing you well-being as you walk this path. And remember, be good to yourself. Turn on my headphones a little bit. Satan is my eye.